Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Talentworks Podcast. I'm Shukri. I'm Katrina. And I'm Helen. BBC Studios is the production part of the BBC Group. So we're not public service. What we do at BBC Studios is we invest in and we produce amazing shows, both for the UK and globally. We make some shows for the BBC, but we also make them for the market, like Netflix, Channel 4, Spotify, Audible. These include Blue Planet, Pressed, Killing Eve, Strictly Come Dancing, I May Destroy You, Doctor Who, Top Gear... BBC Studios Talentworks are a small but mighty development team within BBC Studios. We work cross-genre and cross-platform. We specifically work with emerging talent, so we look to places like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, people who are writing blogs, maybe people who've got podcasts already, who are storytellers and looking to partner with BBC Studios to tell bigger, bolder stories. In short, we play Cupid for talent and industry. And this podcast is about giving the floor to some of those talented creators. True to form, our guests are going to lead the way. They are going to be telling us about three pieces of work that have defined their careers so far. So who have we got today? Helen here. It's November 2022. And today I'm joined by Bumi Oyoteru. As someone that can sometimes be disabled or paralysed by decision making because I'm like I want it to be perfect or if I don't think things are ready I'll like just freeze them but I just had to go and I think I just got to appreciate how much more you can get done when you just try and get things done instead of trying to make things perfect. Bummy is a multidisciplinary artist. He's worked in creative direction, production and design and has recently moved into garment design with his brand Slug. So I know Bummy as he is one of our creators for the In The Mix 2022 project. This was developed by BBC Studios Talentworks and Black Creators Matter in partnership with The Barbican. The project provides black content creators with development experiences and the opportunity to produce a short film for BBC Real. If you search BBC Real found in translation, you can watch all the films produced by this project. So today with Bummy, we're going to discuss, first of all, how he kick-started his creative career by designing the flyers for parties at uni. Then we'll hear about the launch of his first clothing product. And finally, we'll hear how he found producing his first documentary for BBC Real. Welcome to the TalentWorks podcast, Bummy. Thank you for having me. What is it that you do? Tell me your creative role. Yeah, that question always like leaves me thinking for a second because I do quite a lot creatively, but I guess the two kind of disciplines you can split it up into are direction and design. So like creative direction and like design in 3D graphic and also clothing. Great. So every episode of the podcast, we get the guests to choose their three most defining moments of their career. What's your first one? So this is a music video I was involved in towards the end of 2019. Uh, it's for an artist called Fashioner, who's a friend of mine. I was the creative director on this project and it's about uh, two lovers against the world. I can't 
So for the benefit of the listeners, mm. explain what's visually happening in that video. It's kind of like a traditional, I guess, love song, really. It's a romantic song at its core, and it's about these kind of two lovers on the run, Bonnie and Clyde-esque vibes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's basically like these two star-crossed lovers against the world type thing, and, yeah, it just follows their day and, like, a couple of shots of them together being cute and stuff. And where did the brief come from? Did you have an open brief, or did you collaborate with the artist? It was a collaboration. So the content of the song, a lot of the time, you know, I'll sit down with the artist and then uh, we'll talk about the song, listen to the song. And that is, it's called Mixed Signals. So it's kind of like about how, you know, in certain romantic relationships, you can get mixed signals from your significant other. And yeah, this song just kind of like played on the kind of embracing each other and as well as like kind of rejecting the world. So it's kind of like very much intoxicated with each other and us against the world type thing. And stylistically, how did you translate that into the video? I guess we kind of followed like a loose narrative of them going about their day. And one of the main like core things we we did was incorporate like an ND filter, um, which like uh, lowers the density of like the shots. And what that does is kind of give it like this dreamy fantasy type vibe, which was meant to like kind of translate that feeling of like intoxicating love. Nice. So if we step back, you studied chemical engineering at uni. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get to be making music videos? Yeah, that is that is a that's a good one. Like, so I started. I did chemical engineering for my undergrad, at Loughborough University, and like two weeks in, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing this." <laughs> like, I knew I wasn't doing this, but I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And I already started, and like, I knew I could do it. So, I was like, you know, I'll just sit. I'll just sit for it. You know, get the degree, whatever. Throughout uni, though, I feel like a lot of my creative output started in design. So, like, me and my friends used to throw parties. Right, so we like organize the party, get get the venue, get the flight, and like I designed the flyers. I mean, kind of early on, I've like with my friend group, I've kind of been that guy, <laughs> like the kind of just I and just the kind of like aesthetic guy. So when we were doing like actual events and making money off it, I, you know, I'd be like, okay, cool, let's do this with the flyer, let's get this here. That's kind of where that creative journey started. So let's move on to your next creative project. Mm. This is the most significant moment in your career. Mm-hmm. What is it that we're going to discuss? My second project is my brand called Slug and the first collection that we dropped for that in June 2021. It was a small pre-collection that kind of introed the beginning of my brand and the beginning of using that platform as a form of communication. My first collection is called Find Contacts. We created a hoodie piece for that which comes in two colours, cream and spinach and finish line which is a black and white. The back of the hoodie says the words prodigal child and there are hands wrapped around the text as if they're giving the words a hug. The hoodie's a boxy fit and there's a distressed detailing on the hoodie which is like a frayed hem and I did this detailing by hand on every piece. What was your inspiration for the collection in terms of... Style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's based on like, well the whole brand initially anyway is based on like kind of like 90s, 80s basketball, sportswear, activewear, streetwear type of thing. And I wanted to take something that looked new and like looked shiny and clean, but kind of felt old. So it's like we had the hoodie and we've got like a lot of different materials. We've got a screen print on the back. We've got embroidery on the front. And then the bottom of it is like a raw exposed hem. And that's meant to kind of like get a little bit more destroyed over time. And that just gives it like a little bit of character. And yeah, I think inspiration wise just kind of like that old school 
warm, familiar feeling, but kind of like with a fresh new twist is what it's like the mission statement. <laughs> is there a wider message or story behind this collection? Um, so Fan Context is about this commentary on like, you know, when you start a new social media account like Instagram, Twitter, and it's trying to like find your friends and it's trying to sync your contacts and say find contacts based on like your phone book or like your emails, something like that, right? And it's speaking on like relationships and connections that we're finding these days are such an automated process. Do you know what I mean? Like Instagram, Twitter, automation doesn't necessarily equate to like a better human experience. Like the faster something is or the easier something is doesn't mean it's like better for us. So it's just about prioritizing authentic relationships again. How does your hoodie reflect the message? So we've got the words prodigal child printed on the back of the hoodie and that's a reference to the Bible parable where the prodigal son comes back to his father after like spending all of his riches and like kind of neglecting his family and his, he comes back to his father and his father accepts him with open hands. And um, that's kind of where the image of the hug comes from is accepting yourself again and like, yeah, that's kind of speaks to fine contacts as you're ultimately trying to find yourself. Why did you use the medium of fashion to communicate that message? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's something I've always been into fashion. I think from an early age, I knew I wanted to kind of like be in that space and make clothes. And um, from an early age, like my sister used to like buy me. Like when when my sister bought me like my first pair of kicks, I was like, yeah, more. <laughs> I was like, again. <laughs> and I've always kind of had like an affinity with clothing and fashion. And I think it's like a great form of expression it's like the first thing people see on you it's like the first kind of message you're sending about yourself in a way and slug is more than the fashion Mm. tell me about the other parts of slug Mm, yeah so it's starting off as fashion and that's just kind of like that's because that's one of the things I like but um, I'm really trying to marry fashion and like my filmmaking that's something I've always envisioned slug being is more than just a clothing platform it's like I think each collection kind of has like an overall kind of objective or kind of like outcome. And the films are meant to just kind of accentuate that message. And I haven't had, I mean, obviously I I attempted to make one for this one. It didn't come out how I wanted. And that's just due to me being a perfectionist. I actually looked at the clips yesterday. I was like, oh, these are pretty cool. So explain that. You made a a film to support this collection. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a script and everything. I filmed it. Got my friends and we filmed some stuff just before it came out like before the fourth thing came out and yeah I looked back over and I was like oh yeah this, oh, what was I doing like I hate it like just this was recently after and then yesterday I looked at the clips and I was like these are pretty cool I should definitely use these what was it at the time that you felt like it didn't hit it just wasn't what it looked like in my head right and that's something as a director I'm just learning to like that's like I'm just always contending with it's like you have an image in your head and then you see the real life thing and it's like hmm it's never like you can never I'm, I, I mean I guess that's what we're trying to get to 100% of what you see in your head and like bring that out into reality but you can never hit like 100% right so I think it's just about getting your communication clearer and clearer each time and one of the ways to do that is to make work and finish work and put out work and not finishing that process is like you're not like fulfilling the work that you've put in and the effort from everybody and all the kind of like little parts that are involved you're not fulfilling that you're not completing that so it's like you've kind of lost out by not finishing stuff but for me it's just kind of just like I'm a perfectionist or you know I can be a perfectionist and when I see something that's like slightly off it's just kind of like what is your third and final clip something that best represents you and your success at the moment this is my film called Hikikomori for BBC Studios Talent Works in collaboration with Black Creators Matter 
I made this in October 2022. So the brief of the project was to find a word that doesn't translate into English. What was your chosen word and what does it mean? My word is hikikomori and it's a Japanese word that it's about a group of people in Japan, usually young men, that withdraw from society for extended periods of time. So, you know, like months at a time or can be up to years. And it first came into like the public eye during the 90s when Japan went through a recession and a lot of young people kind of lost their jobs, financial turmoil, what have you. And they kind of witnessed this behavior in like young men where they'd literally like not leave the house for months at a time and kind of have like the refuge in, in, in like the digital landscape of video games. So they just be in the home like all day and just play games. Hikikomori is a form of social isolation or social withdrawal. It was described first in Japan by a Japanese psychiatrist. And it tends to be a more severe form of social withdrawal. Isolation, withdrawing from people, is a defense mechanism. When someone is faced with some sort of stress or series of stresses, we have to react and respond to that. And one of the ways is to get away from it. to literally move away from the source of stress. It can be really hard to reintegrate and come back out. I picked this word because I kind of wanted to talk about the effects of isolation and the effects of identity as well so the film I made is based off Yukikomori but it kind of starts there in this Japanese kind of concept and it tells that story kind of through the lens of the African diaspora the reason I saw parallels between that Japanese culture and the African diaspora is because what was interesting is that in a lot of cases the parents of the Yukikomori would like often endorse this lifestyle that allowed them to withdraw from you know months at a time they'd literally there's this like reluctance and shame for them to kind of like admit that their son or their child was going through this thing and they just kind of like keep them locked up in the corner do you know what I mean like they wouldn't obviously not physically locked up but like they very much perpetuated parts of that and I think that's something that relates with kind of like the African diaspora in terms of like how we kind of look at mental health and a lot of the times it's not like it's, it's a non-issue or it's a thing that doesn't exist and it's just that kind of same shame and perpetuation of like these cycles that I, I thought was interesting to look at. The point of the whole story is like, you know, even in the height of the withdrawal and like isolation, these men are still trying to find that connection and they find refuge in like video games and in, in, in that community and that in that place. And what's been seen as well is that, you know, you know, they start really comfortable because initially it's a defense mechanism and they are really comfortable like spending time with themselves and not having to deal with anyone, not having to deal with that shame and humiliation. And then what happens is that after an extended period of time, they start needing that human connection again and they start needing, you know, like your body's telling you that you need to like reconnect with human beings and that's what happens with everybody. You know what I mean? Like as much time as you want to spend 
internally and by yourself, you ultimately will feel that need to reconnect again. And you have two experts in the film. Yeah. How did you find those two people? Um, so Dr. Alan Toe is like one of the leading researchers of Hikikomori. He's based in LA and I did some research on him before, like when I was pitching for it. Just did some research around the topic and he he has like a couple, like his name will come up if you Google it. <laughs> his name, he's one of the first ones there. So it was just kind of like, it just made sense to reach out to him. And then the second person I found was like a Nigerian mental health professional, which I thought could help kind of like draw the lines between some cultural things in, in like Japanese culture and some things they go through there and the experience of someone in the African diaspora. So she's a life coach and positive psychology expert based in Lagos, Nigeria. And I that one was a bit trickier to find because I had several calls with several different people. And I just found that with Ajola, which is her name, we just kind of clicked immediately when I was talking about like the whole thing of isolation and having to reconnect to yourself. That's something she immediately like kind of sparked up with her. And as part of the project, you've been working with the BBC Real team, mm-hmm. part of BBC News. Yeah. So that is having that editorial voice from mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. How have you found that? It's been really good for me to have that kind of like guiding voice. Um, Dan, who's my editor, has been great. Like from the jump, just kind of like let me do my thing and watch from a distance, but just kind of push me in the right direction. And yeah, just helped to kind of like calm my nerves. What were you nervous about? Well, one, I think one of the things was that we were taking, I'm taking a Japanese concept and a Japanese word as like a Nigerian British person that doesn't really have any background there. So initially I was just like, I don't want to kind of like pick the story up and not be the right person to tell it or tell it in like a way that doesn't tell the story or, or you know, to translate the core essence of it. So at first it was that, I think he kind of just settled my nerves with that because and I think that's the, the reason the TalentWorks team were kind of like interested in my pitch is because I was starting with this like kind of Japanese concept and finding links between, you know, like the Nigerian diaspora and then linking that to like the whole world. So there was that kind of like cultural thing and then other stuff, just like normal, like um, storyline narrative. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if people are going to get it. I thought it was like the stuff, because I'm like doing the narrative thing, I was like, and BBC Rules is like more traditional documentary stuff and the viewers going there are like trying to learn something. I was like, hmm, mine's a bit more poetic and flowy and emotional. So I don't know if they're going to get it. But he was just kind of like, yeah, man, I think just do your thing. And, you know, the interviews from, you know, the two kind of professionals we had really helps anchor home some of the more emotional, poetic devices. It's fascinating. I can't wait to see the pilot. Mm. What do you think you're going to take away from this project? A lot, like a lot. I think in this, firstly, like I was uh, more of a producer in this one and I'm usually just like direction, right? So yeah, I was doing a lot of production stuff, which I've not done before and, or not in this like kind of capacity and not in this, on this type of scale. So it was yeah, that was a learning process. There was, there was a learning curve involved there and that was like, I've learned so much in terms of communicating with people and made a lot of connections in the, in like the industry and network and just reaching out to people. So I think one in a practical sense or on production side, I've learned a lot. I think the most important thing I, I've learned though is like, especially working in kind of like this limited time frame, like we didn't have a lot of time to make the film from like, you know, from when we got the thing, the brief to now even and even like my post-production time is like tiny because I decided to shoot really late because yeah that's shot literally 22nd of October we've got a couple of weeks to shoot this now and 
just that kind of like we got to keep going thing like we don't really have time to take a week off or like even a day off means that I just had to prioritize progress over perfection which I said earlier and that's one of the things like I've really learned as as someone that can sometimes be disabled or paralyzed by decision making because I'm like I want it to be perfect or if I don't think things are ready I'll like just freeze them but I just had to go this one and like you just have to just like keep going and I think I just got to appreciate how much more you can get done when you just you know try and get things done instead of trying to make things perfect so that's definitely another thing we ask every guest to look into a crystal ball and look to their future Mm. what do you see in your future I want to do another short film like I've got kind of like that bug now especially like going through this whole process I can already see like so many ways I can make it better or like so many ways I can be better you know as a director as a producer so I'm really keen to get on the next one and like I'm working on that now and then other than that I feel like I want to do some more commercial work like specifically like branded stuff and like maybe like some more fashion stuff work with some bigger brands get paid (laughs) but yeah I think just things are pressing to me right now it's like make another film make some more clothes and yeah jump on some commercials great thank you so much for coming and chatting to us and we're so looking forward to seeing your pilot thank you for having me thanks for listening everyone if you're interested in knowing more about bummy you can find him on instagram at bummy.ft that's b-u-n-m-i dot f-t you can also find us at talentworks at bbc studios talentworks This has been a Curly Media production on behalf of BBC Studios. See you next time. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.